0: good morning to you. My name is Danny Hendricks. To uh, those of you who don't know me, I'm on staff here at Redeemer, and the Lord has been gracious enough to allow me to teach this morning. Um, Let's uh, be ready for an early lunch today, right? (laughs) Reagan's buying, so everybody go to Finley's. If you would, please uh, open your Bibles or whatever uh, device you're going to look at our Scripture today. Um, We're in Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. And as you're getting there, um, I would just kind of like to set up the scene a little bit. A question that has been threading its way through Luke. Who is this man? John the Baptist asked it. He sent messengers. Are you the one who is to come? Um, Herod wants to know, are you the one or are you John the Baptist who I beheaded? The disciples have even asked as we heard Dan teach over the uh, calming of the storm, who is this man? Um, Jesus asked them last week, who do the crowds say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And... um, we have this great just declaration from Peter, "You are the Christ, the Son of God." right? And so what um, let's see here. This makes sense because since Jesus has come on the scene, the disciples have been witnesses to the most amazing things. They have seen diseases healed. They've seen demons cast out. They've even seen nature itself bow to this man. They've seen people raised from the dead. But now, he's starting to make claims that we saw last week that don't go with their idea of what the Messiah should look like. He says he must suffer and be rejected, that he will be killed and rise from the dead three days later. He tells them that they must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow Him daily. That doesn't make sense. The Christ is supposed to come in as a conquering king, right? He's supposed to overturn Roman rule and make Israel great again. Maybe He isn't who they think He is. If He isn't, then listening to Him following him, obeying him, would be ludicrous. All right, so let's find out who this guy is. If you'll look with me, I'll read the chapter now. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. His clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, It is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. So today I think we're going to see three things in this text. There's probably a lot more to see there, but I think these three things are what we're looking for. First and foremost, who he is. We're going to see who he is, finally. That question is going to be answered and done with. But second, we're going to see what he's come to do. And last, we're going to talk about our response to him. So first up, who is this guy? Jesus takes his inner circle of disciples with him up this mountain. Peter, James, and John. Um, I don't know why these three guys, but these are the three he's picked. If you'll remember, these are the three that went with him when he raised Jairus's daughter from the dead. Later on, when he goes up on the Mount of Olives, these are the three men that will go with him there as well. Um, here on this mountain, as well as on the Mount of Olives, Jesus takes them with him as he goes to pray. There and here also on this mountain, these three guys fall asleep. Now, I don't know why they go to sleep. I uh, tend to think it's a mercy from God to keep them from being overwhelmed because they're about to see the most amazing things. Now, as Jesus begins to pray, the appearance of his face is altered and his clothes become a dazzling white. Matthew's account says that his face became like the sun. And Mark's account says that his clothes were wider than any launderer could get them. Now, this should sound somewhat familiar to us, but if it doesn't, we need to look back in the book of Exodus in chapter 34, verses 28 through 30. I did a terrible job of tabbing my Bible, so it's going to take me a while to get there. Um, but here we go. So he was there this is Moses we're talking about, with the Lord, 40 days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets of the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, from Mount Sinai, with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. So, Moses has been up on this mountain for 40 days talking with God, writing the things down that God tells him to write down. And when he comes down to give the people what God had said to him, they are afraid because his face shone so brightly. Um, you see, God emanates glory. Later on in Exodus, he tells Moses, when he Moses asks him, can I see you? Can I see your glory? He says, I'll let you see the end of my glory, because if you saw all of my glory, it would kill you. So, God emanates glory. It's a brightness. It's a shining forth, right? Well, here we see Jesus become this dazzling white color. But it's different than what we see with Moses. You see, Moses was reflecting God's glory. It's like he had a sunburn, right? Jesus was radiating God's glory. He's not reflecting, He's radiating. That means to emit forth the glory of God. So, where we see Moses reflecting, we see Jesus radiating. Where we see Moses having this shine on Him like a sunburn, here we see the sun burning forth the glory of God. Who is He? He is God, the disciples knew this because they saw that glory coming from him, and they remembered this story of Moses reflecting that glory. Hebrews one: three says it like this. if I can get there That's still not. Good. There we go. Um, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Who is Jesus? He is God in flesh. And we know that because the flesh has been stripped away to see the glory of God radiating forth from Him. Now, um, it's at this time that we see that Jesus is talking with two men, Moses and Elijah. Why these two guys? Well, there's quite a bit of debate over why these two guys. Um, What I think it is, and, and where I have come in agreement with the most, is that first and foremost, if you look at Elijah, we've heard in the past, where Elijah is supposed to come before the Messiah. We see that in Scripture. In Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, we read this. Once again, if I can get there to it. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now we have Elijah standing here talking with Jesus. Why Moses? Some would say that Moses is the, uh, he's the representation in the Old Testament of the law. He's the one that received the law and gave it to the Israelites. Moses also prophesied something in Deuteronomy 18.15. He said, There it is. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Moses and Elijah were there to witness to the fact that Jesus is the greater prophet. Jesus is the one who is prophesied to come. And the disciples in Matthew's account, and uh, if you want to look this up, it's in chapter 17 and starts in verse 10. um, The disciples, as they're coming down from this scene, they ask Jesus, the scribes say that Elijah should come first. And Jesus tells them, Indeed, he must come first, and he has come, and he's been rejected by all of them. And then he revealed to them that Elijah to come was John the Baptist. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is also the greater prophet to come, the one that Moses prophesied about and the one that Elijah prophesied pointed to. It's at this moment that the disciples wake up, and they see Christ in all his glory, and Moses and Elijah talking with him. Peter then says, wow, I want to build three tents for all y'all. In case you didn't know, Peter's texting. um, (laughs) When I first read that, I think, and when we all first read this, we think, all right, Peter, being Peter again, right? Throwing his foot off in his mouth. Well, if you look at what Luke says about Peter's declaration, Luke says in verse 33, at the end of verse 33, not knowing what he said. Now, uh, anytime you see Peter putting his foot in his mouth, Either Jesus rebuked him or the writer of that Gospel says something about how Peter's being Peter again, right? That's not what Luke does. He doesn't even say um, he was so amazed, he said, or so scared, he said, or didn't know what to say, he said. But he says not knowing what he said. I think maybe Peter said something right and true. He just did not know how right and true. They have been waiting for hundreds of years for the presence of God to come back and dwell with man. Peter was wanting to set up a place of worship, a place that he remembers at another time being set up. If you'll look with me in Exodus chapter 40, we'll see this place that was set up. In verses 34-35 through 35, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Peter was remembering this story. And when this happened, and he was seeing the glory of God in Jesus Christ radiating forth. And Moses and Elijah were there. And he's reminded of God's presence being on earth and a tabernacle being set up. And then, just at that moment, right, a cloud overshadows them. And it scared them. But the cloud comes over them and they hear this voice. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Then Moses and Elijah are gone. Peter finally understands, right? The um, cloud that overshadowed the tabernacle where the glory of God and the presence of God is dwelling is the same cloud that overshadowed a virgin named Mary when she conceived the child. And it's now the cloud that overshadows them. And he understands that Jesus is the tabernacle of God. Jesus is where God has made his presence with man to dwell forever. Um, if you look with me in John chapter 1, verse 14, we see how John, who was there, writes it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is Jesus? He's God in flesh. Who is Jesus? He's the greater prophet that has come. Who is Jesus? He's the true tabernacle where God will dwell with man for forever. If you want, you can think of it this way. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the writer of Hebrews says this Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus is the final revelation of God. He's the end of things. In this day and age, they could look back at the tabernacle. Now we can look back at Jesus. That's who he is. Now we need to look at what he has come to do. Now, if you'll remember, Jesus is having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. Luke is the only gospel that records this conversation. They talk about his departure that he's about to accomplish from Jerusalem. Now, here's the cool thing about the Bible. That word departure also means exodus. Wow, we're spending a lot of time in exodus for a New Testament book, right? Right? So, what's going on here? Well, when the disciples think of the Exodus, they think back to a time when God rose up a man who would deliver their people from the tyranny and the slavery of Egyptian rule. Now, what kind of Exodus is Jesus come to do? What's he come, what people has he come to lead? Well, if you'll remember in verse 22, Jesus told them that he must be rejected, that he must suffer, that he must die and be raised again. What tyrant would that stop? What slave would that set free? Well, if you'll look in John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, I think we'll get a hint at what slave Jesus has come to set free. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What slave has Jesus come to free? Those of us who are slaves to our sin, which is all of us. But what's that do with the tyrant? What tyrant is ruling our lives? What tyrant do we see daily controlling us? Look with me in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world, the sin we're slaves to, through one man, that man being Adam, and death through sin, and so death spreads to all men because all sin. The tyrant of our life is death itself. Every day we wake up in the tyranny of death around us. So, The tyrant ruling our lives is death. The slavery we are chained to is our sin. And Jesus has come to lead us out. This great exodus. So, that brings me to our response. Now, to those of us who are following Jesus, we've seen his glory. Um, Our response never changes. Verse 35 God says, My Son, My Chosen One, listen to Him. That's pretty simple, right? What did He tell us to do? If you look back, last week, Jeremy told us what Jesus has told us to do. Verses 23-25, through 25, And He said to all, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. And follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, for my sake, will save it. Perhaps some of us, I know I can be this way. Um, I'm a lot like the disciples in this instance. I need to be shook awake to see the glory of Christ. I've been following him, but sometimes I live with a foot, in the world, and a foot in the kingdom. And for all of us, that can look like something different. For some of us, it could be the next streaming movie service that's coming out. For some of us, it could be our personal ministry that we feel like we're called to. For some of us, it could be our families, our jobs. There's all kinds of things out there. What Christ calls us to, if we've been following Him, is to wake up, see His glory, and then obey Him. But now, that leads me to something else. If you've come here today, and you don't know this glorious Jesus, not knowing that you need Him, that you're chained to sin, that death reigns over your life, know this, the face that we see transfigured here was disfigured at the cross. The clothes that became dazzling white are going to be blood-stained and given and split between wicked men. The Father who says, this is my Son, my Chosen One, will turn His face away and forsake Him all at the cross, why? Why is this supposed to happen? Because that's what it costs to set us free. Hebrews 9.22 says that um, there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And that blood belongs to Jesus Christ. So if you do not know Him, I'm pleading with you today. The standard that God has for our lives is so much higher than what we think it is. No liar has a place in the kingdom of heaven. Nobody who's dishonored their parents. Who hasn't done that? Like we've all done those things. If you look at all the Ten Commandments, we've broken every one of them. We need an exodus from our sin, and that exodus is Jesus Christ. Um, I implore you to gaze upon Him today, to see Him in all His glory and all His wonder. Repent of your sins, which means to turn from them and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Um, as the band comes back up, I'll just pray and uh, and we'll sing to this king. There will be people in the back if you need somebody to talk to. Father, um, please help us to see Jesus more clearly. Wake us up from our slumber. Empower us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and to follow him daily. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.